0: It is Wednesday, my dudes. This is how I win.
1: This is no democracy.
2: It is a dictatorship.
3: Hate, 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 hate. Hey. Double hate. Load Tyranny. You're out of order.
0: You're out of order. That guy just says bullshit. Thank you. Trying to get this post made because Coho doesn't know how to show up for his job anymore. Um, he gets a job at the same place I work, and apparently that's just too much work for him. Um, on the panel, we only have uh, uh, three people uh, Jeremy Adams, a May fellow. I can't promise anything, um, but I have Scott Harvey, pretty much uh, the May panelist of the month. Uh, Scott Harvey, he'll be on the show a lot which is great. How are you doing today, though? It's actually,
2: I think it's just the first two episodes, but yeah, um, fair enough. No, I'm happy to be here. I'm doing good. Um, you know, I have been on the show a lot, so I don't often get to do it with people that I've never done it with before. So I'm happy to, that Jacob is here because I've never done um, the show with him before. So that should be fun. And then the other, that other guy is also here.
1: We talk too much.
0: <laughs> the other one, uh, yeah, uh, I can just imagine what happens in, like, the Paul, Michael, and uh, Zach, like, chat, how much they shit talk to this community and be like, as okay, let's just, like, throw stuff in there. You probably can imagine
2: crap. it, yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, oh I, can, I can just imagine what happens.
0: I'm in a, I'm in a chat separate from most, and um, lucky we just talk about a trivia program. Yeah. Uh, Zach Ford, you're back on the show. Uh, I sent you these and said hey, I want you on and you uh, you were nice enough to say yeah, you can
1: be on. So how are you doing today? That's really polite for you to come and reach out for the talent that I deserve to be taken. Me and Lucas at the band this a long time ago. People have to ask us to be on. Uh, <laughs> watching the intro uh made me realize that I feel like the way Debbie Reynolds dances and singing in the rain is just like how I enter rooms. I could
0: I could see that. I could definitely <laughs> see that. Um, and, uh, Jacob, welcome, Jacob, a new person that's joined our trivia leagues now uh, doing shows. Uh, what makes you scream? I love the nineties and I want to talk about movies and how are you? tonight?
3: Oh, I'm doing good. I mean, I like movies in general, but when I saw that this was a topic on the table, I was like, Hmm. And I just kind of went through kind of mentally just movies I liked from the nineties and, I, there was just too many to choose, so like I had to just I just had to cut it down to ten. It was tough, but I did it.
0: That's fair. Well, um how the show works, if anybody hasn't seen it before, everybody brings the top ten list in, you go your ten, nine, eight, seven through four, three, two and one. Then I decide whose list is the worst. Um it's a balls-busting show. We'll try to be nice. We won't try to be too mean. I'll probably try to make Scott quit the show a couple times tonight, but only a couple times. Um, but Scott's going to start it off. What is your 10, 9, 8? They had to pick one movie per year. Um, Coho balances the movies. I had a horrible, busy week this week. So um, he'll be the one. If there's a wrong date, wow. Well. More girl, let it fly tonight. I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, first up, Scott, what do you got? Uh,
2: I do want to say, as a qualifier for my list, this is similar to the 2000s list that I did a couple weeks ago, which is that I have retired a lot of movies, and so I'm only going to be talking about movies that generally I haven't talked about on the show before, or not in my top 100 or anything like that, except for my top two. My top two are the movies I just felt like I couldn't leave out. Um, but as Jacob was saying, it's the '90s, so uh, there was I was spoiled for choice, really, and it wasn't hard to do this uh, um, in terms of you know not talk about movies I've already talked about before. So number ten, 1991, I have New Jack City. Number nine, 1990, Slacker, and number eight, 1996,
0: The Rock. That's beautiful. Why Zach is dying, his computer is at least dying, I just want to make sure he had none of them. He did not. So you're free to talk at free reign. Go
1: for it.
2: All right. Uh number ten, New Jack City. Um yeah, this is a movie that, you know, when you when when sort of like the big films in black cinema in the nineties get talked about. You know, you hear John Singleton, you hear Boys in the Hood, the Hughes Brothers, you know, A Menace to Society and Dead Presidents. You hear Spike Lee, of course, with Malcolm X and a lot of other stuff. This is one that I think kind of goes by the wayside. Maybe it's not quite as, like, meaningful as, um, you know, some of those other films, but it is a a genre movie, a crime movie that really packs a punch. Um, It's basically about this sort of cat and mouse game it's directed by Mario Van Peebles. It's like this cat and mouse game between a cop played by Ice T and a drug dealer played by Wesley Snipes, um, and they have you know this cat and mouse game going on. Um, like I said, kind of throughout the movie, um, both of them are really great in the movie, and Wesley Snipes is incredible, honestly, in this movie as the drug dealer. It's probably the best performance that he's given. He's just a very very magnetic villain, but it's a it's a really um entertaining movie it has some like pretty um compelling set pieces that are you know again stylishly filmed and everything um and it's it's only like a 100 minutes long maybe like it may not even crack a 100 minutes um it's a nice brisk watch and like i said just a really effective sort of genre movie and one that i think should get talked about more so new jack city number 10 number nine slacker um of course debut film from my favorite director richard linklater and uh, really just sort of set the table for what was to come for him um this is literally the most stripped down version of what he does well right like this movie is just people talking and there is no plot whatsoever there's nothing really linking the conversations together like the movie is just you know two people start a conversation Maybe one of them walks off and we follow that one to their next conversation, or there's a third person hanging out in the background, and then we follow that one. But it's just like over the course of one day, and we're just going. It's people watching the movie, basically. You're just going from character to character, and you're getting all these weird people who live in Austin, conspiracy theorists, you know, guy who says that he fought in the Spanish Civil War, but maybe he didn't, woman who's trying to sell Madonna's pap smear, um, guy who uh, knows every single thing about JFK assassination theories inside a bookstore. It's just it's very it's a very entertaining movie, despite it being so loosely thrown together. Uh, you get to see all these sort of oddball characters, and really just sort of a tribute to the Austin and you know Texas sort of independent community that gave Richard Linklater his break and his upbringing. Um, and so I think it's it's a nice like sort of just throw it on, lazy watch. And um, you know, again, obviously very influential in, in indie cinema. I mean, Kevin Smith talks about how this movie inspired Clerks um, very heavily and other movies as well. So I uh, wanted to have that one on there. And then number eight, The Rock. Um, yeah, like the 90s is probably my favorite decade for action. So I wanted to have an action movie on here. I think these movies, 90s action movies really just captured the, the perfect tone that I want from action movies. Um, where they, they they're very knowing about how absurd they are, and you know they do have some humor. I guess they're not taking themselves too seriously, but it's not like you know a Deadpool style where we're gonna we're gonna you know punctuate every single moment with a joke a one liner. It's like it's just self aware enough. The Rock is definitely one of those movies. Um, you know you have Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery, which is just sort of an iconic pairing both of them are, are cooking and doing their usual thing. Um, and, and then, you know, you actually have, I think, a great villain as well. Ed Harris, I think, is, is uh, is again, also right on the movie's wavelength. Is like this Marine who wants the government to pay reparations and is, you know, going to release one of this toxic, you know, toxic materials, nuclear stuff. Um, and, yeah, it's got great set pieces. You know, Michael Bay, um, he knows how to, Throw together a big set piece. Um, There's a great car chase in the beginning. Everything that happens at Alcatraz is great. Um, It's just a very, very fun movie. Really stands the test of time. And like I said, maybe not, it's not my favorite 90s action movie, but it is, you know, a perfect example of why I love the action movies from this era more than just about any other era.
3: You're muted. Yeah, you're muted.
2: Am I still staticky? No. Uh, kinda, you were, but anyway, you go on. That's <laughs> fine. Okay. Uh, hopefully
0: I am a little bit better. Uh, okay, so your first movie, the first two I did not see. I have not seen. I've heard great things about New Jack City, I just haven't gotten around to it. Black Girl Included, your first film, um, I enjoy a lot of Link Letters, so I think I will like this movie. I just didn't see it right now. Zach, this is about the best angle <laughs> ever. It is literally like a crazy person just entered the chat. But I can talk about The Rock. Um, the Rock is absolutely incredible. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Uh, yeah, The Rock, uh, Ed Harris, Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery—about the perfect uh, like chaos like grouping put together '90s cheese, but like not in like an over the top crazy way that you just it, like they're they you know, they they have their base inside Alcatraz. It makes perfect sense inside the movie. It just with the bombs and like Sean Connery has great lines throughout. Like. Like I, I absolutely love, love The Rock. It would probably be one of my picks, especially from '96. There's one other one from '96 I probably would have put higher, but um, yeah, great overall choice. Um, yeah. So we're gonna go to Jacob and let uh, Zach try to form like come into clear. Uh, so all right, uh, what is your ten nine eight, uh, Jacob?
3: So, for my number 10, I went with 1995's Golden Eye. For number nine, I went with 1996's Fargo. And for my number eight, I chose 1992's Aladdin. Did I get the date right? I got the date right. Okay.
0: Yep. All right. Take it away. All
3: right. So, for Golden Eye, this movie basically breathed new life and gave CPR to the James Bond franchise after it was after a view to a kill, pretty much killed it and then it was brought back slightly with the Dalton films but Goldeneye was the first one that really just roared the franchise back into life this was Pierce Brosnan's first one and his best one amazing action set pieces uh, a great villain one of the best bond villains el- ever in Alec Trevelyan uh, played by Sean Bean he dies to the surprise of absolutely no one he dies at the end uh Famke Jensen being well Bond Jensen, and, and a great Bond girl as well. So it, it's one of my favorite Bond movies of all time. Uh, Fargo uh, is the Coens firing on all cylinders, really. It's, just, it's a story of this guy, Jerry Undergard, trying to create the perfect crime and just failing miserably. This movie is basically a coffin on roller skates, not in terms of quality, but in terms of the story you see this perfect plan just fall down the hill, and you just you can't help but laugh at the insanity that happens. The cast is stacked: Francis McDormand, uh, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, John Carroll Lynch. I could go on. I'm sure that the Coen Brothers have done better movies, and I'm going to have one also on my list a little down the road. So kick the can a little there. But this is absolutely the Coen's, some of their finest work. Some not their finest. We'll get to that in a minute. And then for Aladdin, I mean, this is top tier Disney. It's, I mean, the late, great Robin Williams just pretty much turns it almost into a one-man show and in then the best way possible. He's just all over the place and that's what's so good about it. The animation is incredible. The, the The entrance to the cave with the tiger still freaks me out to this day. It's an an incredible piece of business. Iconic songs, well-done animation, and an iconic villain in Jafar. It's In a time in which Disney was just clicking on all cylinders, they were in their Renaissance period by this point, this was them pretty much close to their peak.
0: All right. Uh, Goldmine, are you... yeah, I don't I like the Dope movies, what you were saying. Um Goldeneye is good. I just think a lot of Bond is bad overall. Like if I had to be honest with myself, I'm just not I think Bond is like one arguably one of the most like overrated like uh heroes, but Broslin in Goldeneye does it flips it on its head almost. Um I'll take Ethan Hunt over uh, uh, James Bond any day of the week. Um, Fargo, I agree. I'm very hit or miss on the, on the Coen's. Um, I like a lot. I, I like some. I hate some. It's just a love-hate relationship. Fargo is one that I absolutely love. I think it is it is insane how much character development and stuff that they're able to get into this movie with such a short runtime. I've said that numerous times. I just think it's crazy like how all these characters feel like you've known them or you know all about them in ninety minutes. So great choice from ninety-six. Um not the 96 pick I was talking about earlier from Scott, but uh still great. And then Aladdin, um I still think like those power pun those punches from Disney and like say what you will about Little Mermaid, but Little Mermaid to like Lion King, I think is just like a top tier uh, run for Disney and Aladdin is great Williams is like unmatched in my book I think he's one of the funniest men has ever been so I, I he what a great role for him um, so yeah great choices overall um, we're gonna go to Zach Ford um, what do you got for me at 1098 you're muted so this is interesting
1: Okay. Right. Um I also did a very similar thing to Scott, where I didn't include any movies that was on my top hundred. So that's like twenty movies that were not eligible, except for one. Um for reasons. Uh, <laughs> arbitrary reasons. Um so you can only talk about Goodfellas and Lion King so many times. You know, we need to bring that up. So We don't we don't Come now. Go ahead. <laughs> it's on my book. It could be not my best. And then my number number 10 out of sight my number nine is the talented mr ripley and my number eight is contact Ooh, yeah. nice all right so um you, i actually just watched for the first time recently for a um my gosh we're it a board roundtable we should call it the boardroom next year um <laughs> oh, the boardroom? I hate yeah. the name,
0: but
1: you know what? Uh, I watched it for round Roundtable, and you know, starting with this and my next pick, um, is the two of the sexiest movies of the nineties that exist. Um, I mean, that's all anybody mentions We talk about this movie, because it is the key feature, is you got George Clooney and J-Lo in a trunk, uh, so much proximity, so much lips ready to touch but not touching, and I just get a little sweaty at it. Um, that's really all you need. Um, J-Lo, you know, an actress that we haven't given, she's more known for her acting, um, and I don't think it's right, because she's a great um, charm on screen, and it's great to see, um, and you know just per Clooney have natural chemistry with anything and everything so put them together and the chemistry lab just explodes okay my number nine um is *Tent to mr ripley this is the peak movie of look at all these like huge stars right pre-fame um and if you're interested in that kind of movie watching where you can watch matt damon jude law psh Gwyneth paltrow um psh is also the drug i'm currently on um grenith and um those are my initials oh my god <sighs> cape lanchette um all like before they became um household names i mean matt damon was already um from the goodwill hunting but the rest of them just becoming a thing and they all just are young and beautiful and they wear great clothes <laughs> And, uh, and are just traveling around Europe. And it, it's one of those great just aesthetic movies while also just being kind of like nasty and um, sinister that keeps you on Matt Damon. Um, you know, it's as like he's kind of an all-American Tom Hanks kind of appeal, appeal but when young, you put him in this as just like the all-time creep stalker, it, it's one of my favorite performances by him um, for sure. So. And my eight is Contact um i don't know this is like a great spiritual alien um i can't add this in the sexiest movies of the 90s because the sex stuff is what works the worst um jodie foster Matthew and weirdly don't that great chemistry but uh the ideas of this movie are fairly abstract um but also can also be really accessible through normal human emotions it, it has the weird the, the weird contradiction of the really big advanced ideas but but there's still a human level that you can find your connection to them um and still a level of, like just connecting with your dad and uh belief and faith um that it, it, i think there's just a lot to dig into um and you know it's just a fun kind of science adventure film to utilize ideas i think it is Top tier. The mech is better than any Back to the Future movie. We'll go with that. But next,
0: <sighs> why do you have to say stupid shit like that? <laughs> I, say, uh, I uh, just to let you know. I think Jeremy. We'll get you on another time. I just don't want to like throw it off when you get back. If you are, if you do see the message, um, but uh, out of sight. I did watch this for the roundtable. If you want my full idea, go watch the movie. Then go watch roundtable. Um, I think it's episode. Two, three, one of the two. Two, two, uh, uh, two. yeah. Out of sight, great movie though. Um, there is a trunk scene. That I can't confirm. Uh, *Talented Mr. Ripley* is actually I watched this movie for the first time. Uh, I have just Matt Damon. I really enjoy it. Matt Damon is an actor overall, so I'm going through some of his filmography right now. I've never seen *The Talented Mr. Ripley* and creepy Matt Damon is uh, is a different vibe. I'll tell you that much. It is he is it's very off-putting if you like mad david and then you see him in this movie uh but i really actually did enjoy it i think like um i guess i didn't know much about the movie until it started and then it like took a dot di- like a dive but a good one for me i thought the i thought those elements worked really well and philip seymour hoffman is a is a, is a great great piece to any movie so a uh, great choice Contact, I think, was logged its Movie of the Month one week. So a lot of people in the community actually got to watch It which is awesome. Um, really great movie. I watched that, I think, before it became Movie of the Month. Um, uh, it's not better than any Back to the Future movie. That's incorrect. But it's uh, it's really solid. like It's a really solid movie. I enjoyed it a lot. But uh, yeah, back to, uh, how dare you ever say it. that's better than Back to the Future. Okay. Um, I can just be nice and read Jeremy's. His ten was Scream. His nine was The Big Lebowski, which could be a yikes if somebody has it higher. And then uh, uh, Boatman infiltrated the list and put uh, (laughs) Defend Your Life. So... Now we're getting to the show, we're at 7 through 4, so uh, Scott's going to go one at a time, and then everybody gets to talk on the movie. If you haven't seen it, just say, I haven't seen it. If you have seen it and you think it's trash, tell Scott how much of a trash man he is for putting it on there. Um, okay. Go
2: ahead. go ahead. I do think it's funny that Zach and I are doing sort of the same thing with our list, and yet... The way it seems like maybe it's going to work out is we're going to end up talking about the movies that the other person retired. Maybe we'll see. But Out of Sight and Contact are both like five star movies for me. So anyway, number seven, uh, 1999, Loaded Year, obviously. I had to go a little deep on this one, but uh, I went with Doug Liman's Go. Um I only know Again, this
0: from a trivia question that was asked previously in the match. <laughs> That's all I know.
2: I think I know that one. But um, anyway, yeah, this is one of Doug Liman's first films. Like, obviously now he does, like, blockbusters a lot. Like, he does, Ed, he did Edge Tomorrow. He did, like, the first Born* movie. But he started off doing more sort of like independently minded movies. Obviously, he made Swingers. Um, then he made this. Um, this is the easily the best like Pulp Fiction ripoff that came came out in the 90s, uh, because there were so many movies that were trying to rip off Pulp Fiction. Obviously, um, this is kind of like a teenage version of it a little bit. Um, but it has that sort of fractured narrative thing where you have like basically three different stories going on. Um, all sort of centering around this drug deal gone wrong. Timothy Oliphant plays the drug dealer and he's um, it's one of his better performances. He's really all over the place. Um, you have like Sarah Pauli as um, again, a teenager who's gotten mixed up with uh, the drug dealer. Um, and you also have Jay Moore and Scott Wolf as these two um, gay actors who have um, been busted and are now undercover working for um, a undercover cop, uh, played by William Fickner, trying to uh, take down Tim Oliphant, trying to take down the drug dealer. Um, and yeah, again, it's one of those movies again, like where it just has like these chaotic series of events and they all sort of intersect on each other, really entertaining, like flamboyant characters. You don't really know where it's going to go next. You have like this middle section that takes place in Vegas, um, that is just kind of crazy. Like Brecken Meyer shows up um, and is doing some crazy stuff. Um, it's it's a fun it's a really fun movie. Again, it's smartly written. Like the plotting of it is very clever. Um, you know, again, like I said, all the characters are very enjoyable. It has that Pulp Fiction energy about it. Certainly, I don't think the dialogue is quite as good or revolutionary as um, what Tarantino did, um, but it is like the best version of of that and there's there are some some great scenes there's one scene with Fickner where he brings the two actors to dinner at his house and um slowly reveals to them another sort of scheme that he wants to get them in on and and the reveal of what that is is pretty hilarious and and again william Fickner, a great character actor really just soaks that moment up for all it's worth but it's a fun movie it's a, it's a roller coaster ride um i definitely recommend it because i think it's Again, it's underrated. Maybe people dismiss it as a Pulp Fiction knockoff or whatever, which it kind of is, but it's the best version of that.
0: Um, yeah, I didn't see this movie. I've seen the poster a numerous amount of times. I told you to watch it. <laughs> I know, but guess what? I didn't have time, Scott. Okay, I'm sorry. sorry. That's fine. Um, but yes, uh, I, w- I will check this out for Scott this week and give him a full uh, okay. dissertation on it. Um uh everybody who else has seen go? I have not. Perfect, okay. See they didn't watch it either. Okay. Um what's your six?
2: It's like we're on the pitch clock tonight. We're gonna be coming in under two hours on this thing. But uh
0: Um, a hundred (laughs) percent we will be, yeah. Try it, all right. right.
2: (laughs) Number six, I have a ye drink man woman, nineteen ninety four.
0: One of those movies that everybody talks about. From Do we have a banner? Before. Right, anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: sorry. Um, anyway, yeah, so this is Ang Lee's last movie that he made um, in Taiwan before coming to Amer- America, you know, crossing the seven seas, whatever you want to call it, and start – because I think his next film was technically a British production because he made Sense of Sensibility. But um, anyway, his last film made in his home country. Um, and it's one of the most, like, comforting movies, like – the movie opens up with like a seven minute sequence of the dad character um just cooking a traditional chinese meal and it is just absolute food porn if you're into that sort of thing which i i really like food shows food content stuff like that it's just like it's so immersive like just to open the movie on that and like i said really sets the vibe for what's to come um it really does like the the traditional Chinese family dinner, dinner is like sort of the recurring sort of motif in the movie. Like it starts out um, and we see these various dinners throughout the movie that advance the plot along as much as there is a plot. It's really just a movie about this, this father and his three daughters, um, all of whom still live with him and um, kind of they're getting older. He's getting older, obviously, and it's like, where are they going to go? with their lives or, you know, are they going to move away from him or are they going to, you know, stay at home, stay close to him, keep having these meals together. Um, It also sort of follows other romantic pursuits um, along the way too. like all of the three daughters are very well drawn out, well written characters. Ang Lee usually writes good female characters. He definitely does in this movie. Um, And, It is definitely a vibes sort of movie, but there is stuff that happens. And um, like I said, I think the dinner scenes really just sort of bring everything together in a lovely way. And where this movie ends up is um, – it's a feel-good – I think it is kind of a feel-good movie in the end, even though there's bumps along the way. Uh, But just a really great family drama, really sort of authentic feeling, great food, uh, great-looking food in the movie, great vibes, just just a really – um, enjoyable low key movie by again a director who is one of my favorites and one who i think that can make just about any sort of type of film um, and has throughout his career
0: didn't watch uh Zach in top five i watched yeah. top five okay. i watched top five i watched two of your movies in top five okay uh, Zach uh, you have yeah. seen this i saw a lot of bugs, so go ahead
1: yeah, this is in my top 100, so I think that it's not because it's talked about too much of community, but I already talked about it. So Scott, Scott is, when well, he said, we are reenacting that, the movie. 94 is kind of a packed year anyways, but um, this is um, my favorite angley movie, an absolutely lovely um, piece of family drama. Um, as far as, like, food porn, or what makes a great food movie, is um, a real, like, when they add a real passion and grace to the preparation of the meals. Um, when you, you see how much care is taken and love, because this is like the way that people in different cultures can show their love um, towards the family. This is how the father relates to his children, is the preparation of the meals. And getting to see that is just like real calming, but also thematically very important as well. And the movies should be structured just around like weekly dinners. I think it's like the perfect routine is every week the family gets together and that's very this shit gets hashed out. Uh, yeah, great
2: movie, love it. Zach, you should take you should check out the CBS drama uh, Blue Bloods. I'm told that they have a dinner in every single episode. <laughs> uh, hey, Jacob, have
1: you I seen this movie?
3: It. Uh, no, no, I haven't. I I heard the title, but I just I'd never seen it.
1: The, the title face is straight taken from my first date with my wife. Eat, drink, man, woman. What's your five? This is what we're
2: gonna fill the time with tonight, is Zach. To
1: fight you know. guys.
0: <laughs>
2: All right, uh, I think it's time for my number five, um, which another movie that Zach may have heard of. It's called Rushmore from nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Um, so this is a movie that took me a long time to come around on. I watched it last year for the first time in a while. Um, and I have found with multiple Anderson movies that as I've gotten older, I appreciate them a lot more. And I was kind of just blown away by how differently I saw this movie. Um, you know, a few years from removed from having previously seen it. Um, because yes, Max Fisher is generally an unlikable character. However, um, It's much more complicated than that and the movie i don't think lets him off the hook and but the movie is also interested in showing us the reasons for why he is the way that he is and i often find that that makes it easier to enjoy a movie when you know you can have some empathy for the main character even if you don't like him um which i definitely think is the case with with max here it's also a very very funny movie i mean it's one of bill murray's best performances as herman um, bloom his like blocking kids basketball shots and then just randomly running off in a very funny way it's just some of the like absurdist wes anderson humor that i really enjoy and continue to really enjoy in his films um i think you know again he gets accused a lot at west gets accused a lot of oh it's all a stylistic exercise there's no heart there's nothing else in these movies i definitely don't think you can say that about rushmore especially like the the last chunk of the movie, it's kind of starting with the scene where um, where Herman Bloom meets Max's father, meets Seymour Cassell for the first time. I love that scene in the barbershop. Um, and then, you know, the play scene is great, like um, what's his name, the kid, Magnus. I think that's sort of the bully kid. He really gets his moment there in the play, and obviously Herman Bloom gets really moved by the, like, cartoonish depiction of Vietnam or whatever that's going on in the play, and the the just the whole play thing is hilarious. The production value of it is very funny to imagine a high school doing that. Um, and then the last scene, you know, is great with the the, the dance and the, the song, the ula song that, um, you know, brings in the, the closing credits. It's, um, it's such a perfect way to end the movie. Um, and it, it does, I mean, again, it does, it did hit me emotionally a lot more than I was expecting. I think there's a lot more in this movie, and I, um, I definitely don't look fondly upon my past self for being like, oh, I hate this character of Max. That's kind of the end of it for me because it's it's much more complicated than that. And I do ultimately think it's one of Anderson's... It's in his top tier of movies.
0: You're not supposed to hate Max? Interesting. Because I hate Max. I hate this movie. <laughs> I didn't like this movie. Shocker. Shocker for everybody yeah, here. Sure. Wes Anderson sucks, in my opinion. Um. Yeah. Like, I really like. Just wish he'd stop being a director and like switch to like measure. set design. Like, he'd be really cool with set design. I think. Um. I don't like the characters in the situation. I don't. The best of our... honestly, I do have. It's ninety minutes. It was not as like.
2: Was this the like... first time you'd seen it? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen
0: Rushmore before. It's one of those from Anderson that I just couldn't didn't really like Um, and then I checked it out because people talk highly on it and just didn't hit for me Um, I just don't like the I I don't like Max at all throughout the movie I just don't I I just don't enjoy like the story around it Ah, sorry guys, Wes Anderson just not for me uh, but I'm nice about it this time. I'm not saying he's an awful human being. That needs to like never make a movie for you people. He just needs I'm to pretty stop. Sure you, did a movie. Just,
2: you did just say he doesn't need to be a director. Anymore. I think
0: he'd be. So I was just pitching a better career path for him. Okay. Set director. Walking I guy. think he'd be great. Um, like he should be like somebody's like that picks terrible settings. He should do that in setting for. Him. Um, I think Zach doesn't like this movie. So Zach, go ahead. <laughs> no.
1: Fuck it. Fuck Russ Anderson. Um, <laughs> Max is a horrible person. No much like that's it. One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it um, is... Uh, it's, it's a perfect movie. It's just so easily watchable for me. It's one of those movies that like I can watch two days in a row, which is... I don't rewatch watch movies that often, so that's a big statement. I um, wow. There's something really pleasant, even though there's some kind of cynicism and... and to it and I, I, I still find it kind of lovely. I will say as far as Max being you know, unlikable, well, I it, I watched it probably at a young age, seen it many times since I could experience him from very different generational thoughts of my where I am in my life. Um, and I'd say mostly especially in a younger age, I was just like jealous just like I have no ambition and this guy has all the ambition. <laughs> I was just, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I need to be in all 18 of these clubs. Um, and I don't know now I'm just on the show and that, that's the most activity I get um, but I, I, I think it's extremely funny Scott talked about the music cues um, that I love the faces of Ulala um, it, it's a song that's very important to me um, Rod Stewart I could care less about could not care less about um, but I love that song um, and I, I think there's just that more like tangible low key quality to this movie compared to like modern Wes Anderson movies um, it, 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 it's something more grounded more earthy that I kind of miss I still love what he's doing um, but it, it, it's like an everyday magic that he has and an everyday surrealness that he's able to add to those movies that I just did Um,
0: maybe Jason Schwartzman is just not a good actor for me too I don't think he's, he's that
1: great he's, at a, he's it's a top tier performance but go <laughs> on okay. Jake how have you seen this
3: Yes, I have, and um, yeah, not a big fan of this one either. And Now, I'm not so harsh on Wes Anderson. I actually do like him as a director. I just think this movie is overrated. I do not like Max Fisher as a character. I think it's petty between him and the Bill Murray character, how they're yeah, just, like, <laughs> like, razzing each other, and it's just, at a certain point, I was just like, one of you needs to grow up. Like seriously, your homework assignment for tonight is to grow up. Whatever that needs to, that means to you, you just need to grow up. So not again, not like writing off West Side like entirely, but yeah, not I think a. They faith. do grow up by the end of the movie,
0: but I like well, yeah, ninety minutes we're supposed to believe they grow up, Please, no. <laughs>
1: well, also, no one should grow up. That sounds like no fun at all. Just like you know <laughs> what, you
0: should grow up, Zach. You should grow up. That's that's somebody that needs to be telling you that. Negro. Okay. Um. What's your four?
2: All right. Maybe I can win some points back here. Number four, 1993. Uh, again, another stacked year. But um, I went with Carlito's Way. Um. I, I tend to talk about these like random trilogies that I've invented in my head. You know, I've talked before about the New England family tragedy trilogy that I invented. We Another one that last, last week. Yeah, we did. We did. Another one that I, um, I mean, this this one isn't like that abstract or anything, but Brian De Palma, you know, one of my favorite directors. He normally is known for like his Hitchcock style suspense thrillers, but he has these three gangster movies that in my opinion are all classics in their own way. Scarface, The Untouchables. And then this movie, which is obviously the least talked about, probably least, appreciated of the three, but I like it a lot more than Scarface, honestly. Um, but it's it's uh, it stars Al Pacino like Scarface and he plays um, a Puerto Rican um, guy who gets out of jail. He was a, he was involved with drugs, but he gets out of jail on sort of a technicality thanks to his lawyer played by Sean Penn. Um, and he decides he wants to stay away from crime and he's not gonna get involved in the life of crime anymore. Um, but he just can't help but get drawn back into it, and a lot of it is the fact that the lawyer Sean Penn, um, who he owes a lot to, himself is getting very deeply involved with the, the criminal underworld, and um, Carlito, the um, the Pacino character, you know, feels himself getting pulled back towards that out of a sense of obligation towards his lawyer Dave. Pacino is fantastic in this movie. I mean, there's definitely some of. His bravado, like the first scene we're hit with him in the courtroom, is pretty like you know him going off with like I have been reinvigorated, reassimilated, and just like going on this whole rant. That's amazing, but um, but then he it is more low key than like you're used to seeing from him. Obviously, this was like his big sort of hoorah period, and he um, he it was this was very soon after Sentimental Woman, so um, you know he was in that period. But I think it's a much more mature performance from him. Than perhaps you might expect in the role. I really like where the story goes. Again, uh, Sean Penn. It's it's weird to say that he is uh, not overdoing it, but for once, I don't think he's overdoing it. I think he gives you know a, a believable performance as this lawyer who um, is in over his head with this other client of his. Um, who's a big mob boss. And of course, it's De Palma. So it all builds up to a spectacular set piece inside of a train station, um, which is something that, um, that De Palma is very good at doing. I mean, like the last 30 minutes of this movie are just absolutely pulse pounding. Like, um, I had not seen it in a little bit. I watched it last week in preparation for this. And like, of course, I know everything that happens in the movie. But I was like, On the edge of my seat like maybe he's gonna get away this time like you know it it, uh it it really it is it is very thrilling um him just trying to make it to the the train station and then everything that goes down there i'm not going to say anything more but basically it ends with one of the most brutal gut punches like at the end of a movie um that you will you will see but it you know it feels like it's the only way that the movie could end and again de palma He knows how to do those train stations. Uh, There's three different movies where he has like amazing train station set pieces. And uh, this is one of them. Very, very underrated movie. One of my favorite, like in the crime gangster genre. Um, Definitely one that should be talked about and seen more.
0: This one is like one of the crime movies that I'm surprised doesn't get talked about more. I think that's when I first watched it. I was like, this doesn't get mentioned at all. Chance sent it to me like on Secret Santa one year. Never heard. I've heard of the movie. I just never saw it. I didn't even know Pacino was really in it. And it's crazy because, yeah, I think like Santa the woman changed like his trajectory. Not that he didn't make good films, but like made him like more of a mean character almost in certain things like he does in good performances. He's just more over the top. This one, he's a little bit more subdued in things. He still has those moments, but like Sean Penn in this movie is absolutely great. Like he's in this, like with their interactions and where it goes, and like, yeah, I don't want to give away the ending, especially if you haven't seen it. But that ending literally just sucks the like (laughs) the wind right out of you. Like it's just like, wow, Uh, that's what ends up happening. But a great film. I couldn't recommend it more. I think. I think Jeff Palma like has a way with crime movies that um, those three again people give Scarface like they don't because really, it's bloated but like I I like that movie a lot still to this day so um, everybody else in Carlita's Way?
3: I've never seen it. um I love De Palma and I haven't seen it
0: that's fair okay and yeah, we are going to book way under time this is nice um, okay. <laughs> We're gonna go to who did I go? I went to Jacob second, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. All right,
0: Jacob. What is your seven?
3: So for my number seven, going with 1991's "The Silence of the Lambs," and uh, this is just a creepy movie. Like it just it, it keeps it sets a tone and it keeps you there. I mean, I think enough has been said about Anthony Hopkins in the movie. I think they're I think he holds the record, like shortest on-screen time that ever won a Best Actor Oscar. Again, if I'm wrong about that, I'll own that. But I I remember seeing a fact somewhere. He was only on screen for maybe like 20-ish minutes, maybe under that. 19, yeah. 19 minutes, yeah. And he still won the Oscar, deservedly so, because he is just, he's unsettling. Just from the moment you first see him on screen to where the camera is falling along the cells and then you just see him and he's just standing there in the middle of the cell like he is waiting for like for something to happen and sure enough it does and Jody Foster is great in this as well Ted Levine is creepy as all get out as Buffalo Bill I mean I could go on about this movie for days and days uh, Scott Glenn as Jack Crawford I mean the movie's just fantastic for my number 6 oh I my like, God, it, you talk- yeah, we oh, talk oh, about
0: one at a time. You're good.
3: No I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, I
0: no, you're fine. Um, I believe not to fact check you, because I'm not gonna be that guy, but after watching them, I think David Niven actually has the shortest runtime for separate tables, oh, okay. which is still crazy that he got it. But yes, uh Anthony Hopkins, 19 minutes of screen time. Um uh me and Scott go back and forth. It seems like this movie comes up every time me and Scott, because I don't think Scott likes this movie as much. Uh, Yeah, you definitely don't like this movie as much uh, without uh Anthony Hopkins. Um, This is like my fifth favorite movie of all time um, uh, for my top 100, so I have a problem. I already Mm -hmm. meant that. Like, this movie's creepy, weird. I think Hannibal Lecter, played by Hopkins, is like arguably – one of the greatest acting performances of all time i think it's absolutely unsettling of how they do it i think it's got the best character introduction one of the best character introductions of all time um and the story that breaks down between him and clarice i think it's just really really great um i like true crime this plays just like a true crime movie like true crimes like special of how it all breaks down uh even how it's shot. I think that last shot of the movie when it's in the, the night the, the in the night vision, I think it's awesome what they're able to do and achieve with this movie. So I've talked to Nauseam about Silence of the Lambs. I love this movie. So great, great, great choice. Probably a little low in my hook, but seven I will take at this point. Uh everybody else on Silence of the Lambs, if you can be nice, if you can't just hmm.
1: I, lo- I love I love Silence of the Lambs. If I followed the rules I set for myself, um this would have been on my list, but the one movie I um, gave reception to is the same year. Um, but this would have been my backup pick. Um, and, and it's uh, it, it's very thrilling. I think especially the breakout scene um, is one of my favorite thriller set pieces of all time. Um, and also just a really good uh, example on the different uses and purposes of the Demi close-up that he's so known for. Because um, it's... You know, he didn't make a lot of thrillers in his career, but the close-up is utilized this movie to such um, creepy effect. Anytime it, it really cuts up on Hannibal Lecter's face or when he's, you know, um, all tied, not tied up, but in a jacket and they go up with creepy mask. Um, he really knew how to use the tools that he mastered um, in the form of different genres in the form of war, which is interesting to me justice for the cat of course i always say that every time the movie comes up but justice Mm -hmm. for the cat abandoned i
2: just think this movie needs a rewatch for me it has been quite a while um and i have watched some other jonathan demi's films and really enjoyed them so it's possible that i would come around you know it was one for me that i felt was overrated when i first saw it kind of A generic sort of serial killer thriller except for the anthony hopkins performance which you know again is is a fraction of the film wasn't really a fan of what jodie foster was doing in it um but i i could see myself coming around on it because again i I think i watched this at a time when my film taste was not quite refined yet um so we will see but i have to say we uh i guess we can't technically accuse jacob of of Pandering uh, because he doesn't quite know you yet, Cody. But uh, <laughs> he's he's throwing some fastballs
3: right down the middle to you, right? now. So. <laughs> he
0: really is. He's doing quite
3: well. I mean, I just went with my gut on this one. Sure. When yeah. I come when it when it comes down to top ten lists, I just go with my heart and what my guts say. That,
0: that's so, you, so, you know yeah. what that's the best way. Some people would say that's the best way. Don't worry, he will disappoint me later. I have seen the list, so, uh, <laughs> but we'll get there <laughs> later. Uh, what is your number six, genuine?
3: So for my number six, it went to the year 1990, and this is another great year for for film. I could have went two ways with this one, and I chose to go the family-friendly route. It's Home Alone. And the other way I could have gone with this is Goodfellas. Now, Goodfellas is a great movie. Let's not get it twisted. But every single Christmas, my mom is always like, when are we going to watch Home Alone? When are we going to watch Home Alone? She always asks me, and we watch it together, and it's great. I use that anecdote to kind of parlay that into saying that home alone is one of the greatest family movies of all time. One of the best Christmas movies of all time directed by, uh, directed by Chris Columbus written by John Hughes at the height of his powers starring Macaulay Culkin, starring Joe Pesci, who had an incredible 1990 starring in Goodfellas and in this and Daniel Stern is just as good. If not, if, if not better, uh, you got Catherine uh, Catherine O'Hara. You got John Candy in a small role. You got so many. Uh, you got so many smaller character actors that just absolutely bring it. And no matter how many times I see this movie, I absolutely cringe at the traps that are on display. Because I think, especially in like two, the traps get way too over the top. Like literally, Joe Pesci sticks his his head is on fire. He sticks it in a toilet that's filled with lighter fluid, and it explodes. That's like a Mortal Kombat fatality. Like, what are we doing here? So it in terms of home alone traps, if we're going based off of a kind of reality that's the most reality-based of all of them. This movie's got a big heart, it's funny, it's endlessly rewatchable. I could go on, but I mean, I'm sure everyone else has talked about it. So home alone, it's awesome.
0: Um, yes. Home Alone, great. It is always a um, holiday tradition for me to pop this movie on. Uh, Kevin should be put in jail, to be honest with you. like He's not just a he's, he's a criminal. Um, and I like Joe Pesci. I like that. I, I love both Home Alone's, to be honest with you. I like that, and I've said it on record. Three is not bad. Sleeping on a gym there. Home Alone 3 fun time. Uh, but yeah, Home Alone, great time. Uh, Oh yeah. I've talked a lot about home alone. It's a great movie. Anybody else have anything to say about home alone?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Jacob sort of brings up the family connection to it. I think that's the connection that like a lot of people have to it and why the movie has endured. It's the reason it hasn't endured for me because like, yeah, I guess I watched it one time as a kid, but this isn't one that like has any nostalgia really for me. Um, my parents like never, you know, watched it, never showed it to us. We never watched it at Christmas or anything like that. Like I just watched it. it. wasn't something that really stuck with me. So it's not one that I've come back to, but I understand it's a classic. I understand it carries a lot of nostalgia for people. It's perfectly um, understandable pick to have on the list. Just I never had that personal connection to it.
0: Son, we're going to sit down and watch the new film <laughs> from this indie director. And you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Not that it's childish. You want to watch Elf go to someone else's house. Uh, go ahead, Zach.
1: Yeah, I I have a Lego set for this, um, for the Home Alone house. And it's really <laughs> helped me appreciate. It's a beautiful set. Um, it's helped me appreciate the production design of the movie. Um, like, it, 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 it's, it has the right amount of clutter for this lived-in house really creates as this kind of magical world for him to explore with all the props and um the, the everything he's able to MacGyver into a weapon and everything. It it, it it's so lived in um and still kinda of like magical from a useful perspective. Um and, and really creates that Christmas atmosphere without going over the top. Um it just feels like kind of warm and homely. Um, which is something I really love. But the movie that I honestly think is what I think about first when I like as a kid is you know, the, the, it's all the props throughout the movie, everything that appears in the movie, the you know, Michael Jordan there, the, the pen cans and that stuff. is what sticks out, the master of Korea, the movie.
0: It's also off-topic. I still love the number two when he's flying his entire family to, like, Paris, is that? Or is that the first one? One of the two. Paris
3: is the first one. They go to Miami, Florida, and the second one. He's
0: flying all of his family wherever he wants, and he throws a fit over Kevin for a $900, like, uh, room service bill. Like, bro, (laughs) you need to just check your thing. So, um, okay, what's your number five?
3: So, for my number five, Going with the year 1993, and this is another year that is just epic. I could have gone in a couple different directions. One of my all-time favorite movies is Jurassic Park. However, I decided to kind of stay in the same vicinity in terms of director, but go in a little more serious road. My number five is Schindler's List. And again, this is, this, <laughs> and this is another movie that I feel like it's talked about quite a bit, so I'll keep this brief. The scene that really seals the deal for me is the ending where uh, Oscar Schindler, after the war is over, he says, thank you all for all of your service. And he's about to leave because because he has to go into hiding when he goes into the scene of where he just he talks about how I could have saved more. I could have saved all of you. And Ben Kingsley's character is like you saved generations and it's way more accurate better acted than I'm doing that's fairly obvious but that whole scene and just Oscar Schindler just like collapsing just under the weight of his perceived grief and just like how he felt like he could have done more but there are thousands upon thousands of people and generations that are still going on because of the work of Oscar Schindler it's a timeless scene and really it's a very difficult movie to watch I mean it's a this subject material, it comes with the territory. But it is just an incredible achievement. Uh, Liam Neeson's finest work, in my opinion. Uh Ralph Fiennes is just a severe asshole in this as the uh as the main uh Nazi. I believe his name is Gert or Gort. But he's just a t- he's just a total like he's an evil, evil human being. And he got exactly what he deserved but I won't spoil it. But um, yeah, Schindler's List, it's epic. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, Schindler's List is just one of those is like a trump card that you can basically play because you, the people can't really argue with you and say, I think this movie's just not watch, rewatchable as much. I've watched it twice in my life. I don't really like want to run to it. I always thought Lucas Schilbach is just a weird man that says this is his favorite movie of all time. I'm just like... For me my favorite movie after on an island if it's playing nonstop, i'm good with it like him it's is it one of the best made movies absolutely but favorite i just can't ever give it that it will never rise to that length for me because again i don't want to dive into that world and stay there too often like it's a it's a depressing movie overall but it's a great movie so not a bad choice there uh, anybody have anything original to say about Schindler's List?
2: I'm curious. Sure. I think Zach hasn't. I think Zach hasn't seen it. Um, really? Which is kind of surprising. But anyway, uh, this is in my top ten movies of all time. I think, uh, objectively speaking, this could be my number one movie that I've ever seen. If I'm just assessing movies, you know, as objectively, um, but it's still in my top ten. Um, it is an unbelievable achievement, unbelievable work of art. Like I struggle to find any words to talk about it because it is so overwhelming to me. It's the most emotional a movie's ever made me. Um, and I understand why someone would not run and rewatch it. Certainly I would I would not begrudge anyone for that. My only counterpoint to that is I do think that Spielberg being the you know mass popular filmmaker that he is somehow is able to find a moment of hope at the end of this movie when you see all of the real um, you know, survivors and the real generations that have come into existence because of Oscar Schindler's actions. Um, and again, I think that's the Spielberg, the crowd-pleasing side of him coming out, even at the end of this horrible, emotionally um, taxing experience. So I think there is that to cling on to. But again, I, I totally get it's not rewatchable. It's just the craft is is so overwhelming to me that as an appreciator of film like it's just undeniable i think this movie is incredible and obviously would have been on my list if i had not retired it so
0: sure um all right what's your next one and then we're in a weird situation where it doesn't show back up i don't know what's gonna happen um okay what's your uh number four
3: so number four we're jumping to the next year 1994 and again, this is a movie that I feel like is talked about over and over and over again. So I'll try and keep it brief. The Shawshank Redemption. And really, I feel like, like I said, talked about nearly to death, but it's done so for a reason. I mean Tim Robbins, his finest work, some of Morgan Freeman's finest work. The scene where Tim Robbins says you either need to get busy living or get busy dying is just a phenomenal piece of business. The score is incredible. Frank Darabont did an incredible job in the director's chair, based on this on the short story by Stephen by Stephen King, uh, starring uh, starring uh, Clancy Brown as the warden. And just it's it's it, it's just crazy to think that that same guy would go on to play to go on to voice uh, Mr. Krabs and SpongeBob. Like like that's some range right there. And then you got um. The the dude who plays Leland Owsley in Daredevil, and I cannot think of his name, but he plays the warden, and he is just one of my, like, he's one of my favorite villains because I hate him so much, and how he just, he uses the Bible and just how he, he perceives it, and how he waves it around when in reality he does truly monstrous things. You could do an entire essay on that on that style of thinking, but that'll be for something else. But, I mean, Shawshank, I could go on, but I'm sure it's been done by others.
0: Yeah, um, this is one of my, like, top movies I want to bring on the round table. Not because, like, I understand it's been talked to death, but, like, why it's gotten to where it's at. And, like, does it still hold the weight that it did, and why does it get there? Um, I love this movie. I think this movie is absolutely incredible um i think like i love the warden as the evil fucking man he is i just think like like trust in the lord but your ass belongs to me like is this one of like the most and he'll be like when i'm done with you feel like you've been fucked by a train like he is just ruthless like when uh whoa what's the guy that comes in there basically comes in i don't know the character name
3: but i um, know who you're talking about he comes in a little later he's the greaser he
0: yeah i think a shot basically because he, he knows that he's basically gonna ruin what he has set up um i i think this i think this movie is absolutely great um so no problems there um anybody else uh what do you guys got to say about shawshank
2: oh um yeah well this is also in my top 100 um love this movie i just love the way that it humanizes people in prison guilty or innocent um it it really shows the humanity of of all of them that's something that i'm passionate about in my own life so i appreciate any movie that can can do that um and you know again by contrast shows the how dehumanizing the prison system is um, and so I think it, it pulls that off really nice against Stephen King known for being a horror writer It is a horror story in its own way because um, you know it's a, a man who is subjected to this uh, awful system but um, has a has a happy ending so uh, there's there's that. love it.
0: Zach you're having internet fun times
1: tonight. I know I have a backup ready to go when this drops out again. I tried to change rooms. um, Shawshank, I think this is one of the movies that because I would love it so much, I tend to come off a lot more, like, venomous about it. Like, I hate this movie, which I guess isn't true, but uh, it is, like, uncomfortably warm, as you try to describe it. So, like, nostalgic for it. It it makes me kind of feel like I should go to prison so I can, like, hang out with some friends and drink beers in a room. And that's, like, the wrong idea. Even, like, the rape scenes are Done a little too uh, not that scary and a little beautified. Um... What? And he cuts out right after that. I love that.
0: That's your last message. But like, I, I I'm to disagree with that point. I think they're they're done very brutally. Like, I don't yeah. like, like, yeah. I just like like when he puts the like ice pick up to his head. He's like. It bites down with the force of, like it's brutal, and they kick the living out of them. So, um, Zach Ford, I can read while we're waiting for Zach. Yeah, Jeremy's, Jeremy's. Uh, seven was Goodfellas. Great choice, should have been on this list. Princess Mononoke, which Ooh, you know, nice, nice. You know, I clearly love. Uh, not really. Uh, seven,
3: great, okay,
0: great choice, perfect movie. And
2: perfection. Now, okay. Let me ask: Is he eligible to win, even though he's not here? Uh,
0: he is eligible to win, but he will guarantee to lose. I will tell you that much.
2: Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, he must really go off the yeah, road. He,
0: he does fall off a cliff pretty pretty <laughs> shortly. But Zach, hey buddy, Yay. you're just the clearest you've been all
1: night. Um, Come back to my computer. We'll see. Uh,
0: what's your seven?
1: Yeah, if I freeze. Um, just keep going through my list and I don't need to talk about it. Um, I got you. All right. Um, My number seven, back to Brian De Palma, is Mission Impossible. Um, Oh,
3: nice, nice, nice.
1: Yeah. Mission Impossible is mm, top tier um, series for me. Easily one of my favorite. I kind of miss days these I mean I love the new movies and the corey movies. Um I missed the days of when it was just like this experiment Love, let's get a different director in and, and put so much style into it. Because now the style's kind of washed and the style is just like let's watch Tom Cruise do crazy shit which is great. But this movie is so different compared to what it is now, uh, much more low key, but much more depomerized. The like weird psycho sexual tensions that go throughout this movie, um, you know, does not exist in any movie that it, um, is made today. Um, also just is, is kind of campier in a way that I think is more true to the, the genesis of of the concept um you know the, the, the maskiness and the, the tech stuff and and that like is he going to get caught hanging from the, the top of the ceiling um kind of ideas it's just so much fun um i love it uh you get the the full team that you're like expecting to carry you through the series to then just watch get destroyed through the movie is just a great, great catalyst um for the movie um it's, it's going to do. There on and we're back to De Palma. Not doing a train station, but he does get a train scene, which yeah. mm-hmm. is great and um, And I, I always love the MacGuffins of Mission Impossible movies, the, the nonsense. Um, and this is a top tier uh, Mission Impossible MacGuffin um, for the knock list in um, this movie as well.
0: Um, I just went through the series, um, and this one went up on for a rewatch for me. Um, I I didn't not that I didn't like it, but like I'm kind of with you of like what I appreciate from the the simplistic of um Mission Impossible, what it was. Basically, instead of like, oh, what's he gonna attach himself this time, or what he's gonna fly out of this time, it was just like a basic thriller. But also a lot. Darker than I remember, kind of, because it's like that beginning sequence. Like when it goes wrong, is such a cool, like how he's able to do that and what he's able to do with it. So overall, definitely enjoyed it. Thought it was a great uh, time. So uh, great choice overall. Um, everybody else on the first Mission Impossible? Uh,
3: I think I think because of how good four, five, and six. Have been. I feel like this one gets inadvertently swept under the rug. It's not the best of the series, in my opinion. That's Ghost Protocol. But I mean, yeah, there are sequences in this movie that still just blow my mind. Of like, how? Like, how did they pull this off? Like the Langley scene alone is just incredible. Just how Cruz is just like hanging there, and he's like able to pull this off. It's just. It's so tense, and it just is really well done. It is um, it is a shame because the later installments are so good that it's like one gets forgotten, which I think is a bit of a shame because the first Mission Impossible movie is just fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's great. Um, it's probably my third favorite in the series after the most recent two. Um, I think, yeah, I love that. Uh, it's kind of just an espionage thriller. They actually act like spies and not superheroes. Like, I mean, I, again, I, I absolutely love the, the recent movie, so do not take that as, um, as a criticism on them at all. But um, it is something different, and I appreciate that. I even kind of like Mission Impossible, too, so you can sue me on that one. Mm-hmm. But this one's fun. Obviously, has that amazing set piece. Again, nobody does a set piece like De Palma. If you take away one, one thing from tonight's show, take that away um and and mission impossible is a great example of that even though it's not in a train station
1: per se we'll talk about the great set pieces of snake eyes with my next book i'm just joking
2: the opening tracking shot of snake eyes is pretty insane i'm not gonna lie all
1: right my number six um is let's see if i can remember i believe it's babe yeah um Cody hates anything gentle and calm. Um so up again from rough territory now. If the pig got slaughtered, it might be a five-star uh movie. Um we're we're getting into a series of movies. Three of the next four are like real I was a kid in the nineties, and these are the movies I like rated on VHS many times, kind of movies. Um the real like magical of my 90s childhood. Um babe is one of those I love animals. Um, and gave me just this nice, good friend. Um, babe Polly was the only friend I had as a six-year-old. No one liked me. Babe, just a nice, gentle guy. Um, just wants to, you know, herd some sheep. And um, I think there's the simplicity of that story that I feel is lacking in many kids' movies. And I, I wish we'd come back. That's, um, you know, part of what I love about the painted movies is it, it, I think it's very much in that, that kind of more whimsical, gentle spirit. Um, that Babe was in, um, and I mean, it, I keep talking about gentle, but there's the whole threat of he is going to get killed for for Christmas dinner or whatever throughout the whole movie, so there's still a little bit of like danger, but a danger that is, you know, understandable and, and not too frightening for um, a child, but it's really just, you know, watching a, bay, a nice little pig achieve his dreams, it's, it's, it's lovely. You get the mice singing songs, um, perfect, movie. The farm looks beautiful, That'll do, pig. That'll
0: do. Um, It's fine. It's fine. I don't love. I didn't love Babe as a kid. Like I didn't like, like, overly love it. This like when I reviewed it, I think I reviewed it for the. the Sorry, I just didn't care for it at all. My rating's a little low. I think I gave it two stars. I don't think it's a two star film.
1: I think it's probably three. I just don't like. Love it. I just don't care about the pig. <laughs> well, Jack Pinchuk, who gives everything five stars, gave it one star. Well, Jack's stupid. Jack doesn't like fan film at all. So um,
0: yeah, whatever, babe. Uh, who loves babe here? Talk about
3: it. I've never, I've seen never it. seen it.
0: <laughs> Gosh,
2: Philistines.
1: You have
3: Schindler's
2: List, <laughs>
1: yeah, I wasn't on here. My like computer conveniently broke down. I'm pumped for number five, though. Go ahead. Um, oh, yeah. Number five. This is um, pandering. Um, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, okay. I did on a recent roundtable try to, to make a statement that this was not a comedy and people fucking went off on me.
0: I brought them up at work. I said, I literally did a tell the other night. Somebody told me Mrs. Doubtfire is a fire That person's
1: an idiot. And I said, thank you. I, I, I was not trying to say it's not a because it is extremely funny. And you get a lot of the extreme Robin Williams manicness, um, especially when he's doing his dinosaur rap and, um, and, and doing his Mrs. Doubtfire voice. He, he gets to do his thing, but there's still such an intense, sad, dramatic element to it that I was just trying to say is what I feel like Robert Williams is always attached to what he does best and what makes him special. That's why these comedies aren't just yucks. This is still very emotionally um, intense for um, a kind of universal experience um, of of children, especially, you know, in the 90s, and I mean, to today um, of going through divorce. Um, so maybe as a, you know, child of divorce, but like too early for me to really remember but around this time actually in 1993 so it's perfect that's probably why it kind of hit me more an emotional moment than a than a comedy movie for me as a kid that's something that just always spoke to me of just you know wanting to stay attached to all your parents and your family members um even when your concept of a family dynamic has been crushed um but you get to you know filter it through robin williams doing goofy drag jokes and all that so
0: yeah um yeah it like turned into like a 20 minute like quote session on this movie of like what's funny in it like uh i i absolutely love this movie when i did my top 100 i had it like i think in my 40s it'd probably be higher for me i think it's like a real like comfort movie for me but also it's like it's a laugh through the pain kind of moment like He's going through some real stuff, like real stuff. And this is the way, like, he's the only way to get close to his family is do this. It's matched with comedy. So it works, but like, it is, but it kills me. Some of the quotes on there is still like, I, I think this is arguably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Like shot for shop makes me laugh to this day. Like lovely dances with wolf motif. Woody, what's your name? Shops with a fist. Like, he just and I can just I wish I was a fly on the wall during that set because like the story from cast members that talk about it and like how much he just improvised like and like how funny the stuff they didn't put in the movie was so like great great choice can't talk much much more higher praise for me than Mrs. Doubtfire uh everybody else on Mrs. Doubtfire Scott you gonna say something rude no I've actually never seen it
1: Oh, you won't yeah. like it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah you probably like. I, I, I wish they like were just
0: good. talking about the custody battle, like the the struggle, instead of. <laughs> no, the, there's a there's
2: another movie where they do that. So yeah. that's,
0: fair. that's fair. Jacob, anything on Dalfire?
3: It's been a minute since I have seen it. I know I have seen it, but I just it it's due for a rewatch. That's my point.
0: That's
1: absolutely fair. Okay. um... What's your four? Yeah, talk about another movie as a five-year-old. I just watch a repeat all the time. Malcolm <laughs> X. Ooh. <laughs> did not I Did not watch a repeat. I actually didn't see this until like five or so years ago. Um, I adore Spike Lee. Um, another one, just like the best at the close-ups. And um, I, I visually, his movies are just so... Um, intense is the wrong word but uh, I'm lacking the term I, I want to say uh, but there's something so physical about that can just really connect to the movement of the movie and and the energy um, and, and biopics can be something that is so energyless especially when it's three hours long like Malcolm X is but Spike Lee doesn't know how to make something that lacks that kind of fullness and energy, but still so much intelligence and, um, you know, political provoking thoughts um, throughout this. And, you know, a lot of people could have, like, false ideas of what Malcolm X meant, especially when you're younger watching this, and this movie handles the subject in a very um, thought-provoking, complex manner um, to make you take in those ideologies and and respect him as a political figure. Um, And Denzel, you know, giving really break out all-time performance. guy got so excited about me saying yeah, Denzel! Yes, that's you're that's what I was gonna talk about.
0: <laughs> um this Denzel's the greatest performance ever. It's I mean, not I mean, don't don't get me wrong. They're close. Hurricane. Um I am three, I think, away, three away from completing his holography Um and it is it's unmatched for this like as much as I love Herman Boone which I think is arguably one of the greatest performances um, he is fantastic in this movie and where he's able to just command the screen for four hours basically um, I think it's four I think it's up there for sure um it's just incredible incredible film incredible performance well done um everybody else on Malcolm X I know why Scott's excited now.
2: Clay Holmes has done it again. Uh, very good movie. Um, I My only problem with it is I think the pacing is, like, a little bit off. And I don't mean that in the way that most people do, like, oh, it's too long. I don't think it's necessarily too long. I think there are certain parts of the movie which feel like they go by too quickly. Um, like, I, it's trying to cover a lot of ground, obviously. And I just think it feels a little uneven um, at times. But you, you know the performance is undeniable and that and obviously Spike Lee's direction is undeniable it carries you through you know most of the way um, I, I've said before about Denzel you know you could name 10 different performances and say this is his best performance and I'd have to be like yeah yeah maybe it virtuosity is. Um, <laughs> the bone collector um, anyway yeah again don't <laughs> don't, don't fall you for the pick at all
0: he lays in his bed really well in that movie.
2: Um, the book. <laughs>
0: Um, Okay. All right. Number three. Oh, Jacob, did you say anything about Malcolm X? Did you want to?
3: Never seen it, but I've read Malcolm X's autobiography. It's a very fascinating book.
2: That
0: was fair. That was fair. Okay. Um, All right, Scott, what's your three?
2: Another movie that I don't think Zach's ever heard of. uh, 1995, Kicking and Screaming. Is
0: this the one with Will Ferrell
2: and Mike Ditka?
3: Yeah, I yeah,
2: here we go. Here I here. was oh, just gosh. about to... You have to say it. Every Mike time. Ditka wow.
3: is in that movie.
0: So you got the juice boxes? Yeah, juice boxes. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> yeah, Mike Ditka, not in this one. Uh, this is a uh, first film by one of my favorite directors, like Slacker, which I mentioned earlier, Noah Bomback in this case. Um, it's basically the story of a bunch of guys hanging around their college town after they have graduated and, um, you know, not really knowing what to do with their lives, not really being able to escape the sort of hypnotic pull that college has over a particular type of person. I was definitely that type of person to where college was a very, very meaningful and important thing to me. Um, And now I'm a college mock trial coach, I guess, uh, as my way of clinging on to the college experience, (laughs) however I can. But um, the characters in, in this movie are all sort of doing it in their own particular way. You know, maybe they're working around the campus. Maybe they're getting in a relationship with somebody who's on the campus and who's still a student, but they're trying to cling to this meaningful time in their lives um, and not wanting to accept, like, the reality that they now have to grow up and be adults and have real jobs and real lives. Um, It's another movie like Rushmore where, like, sure, you could... You could take a simplistic read and say, oh, I don't like any of the characters, and I don't necessarily like a lot of them. Um, I don't think I would want to be friends with them, but I find their conversations very, very interesting. I think they're all smart people. I find, you know, Noah Baumbach's dialogue endlessly interesting to listen to, and then kind of like, again, with Rushmore, when you get to sort of towards the end of this movie – you find out some stuff about the Josh Hamilton character's relationship in the past. Um, there's also a great scene with Eric Stoltz, who plays the the guy that everyone sort of looks at like, oh, he's the he's the one we don't want to be. He's the one. He's a bartender. He's the one we don't want. You know, he never got away from this. But actually, he turns out to have a lot of wisdom to offer um, and to I think it's I can't remember if it's Josh Hamilton or Chris Eichmann, but one of them. Anyway, but um, it actually has some very nice sort of lovely emotional beats towards the end, um, especially sort of the last scene on the street. Um, I think I really love like sort of the last line that, that uh, the two characters have there. Um, it, it does sort of uh, predict the later films that Bombak would go on to make with Greta Gerwig um, that are a lot more warm and, you know, um, open hearted than sort of his early and middle period films, which are all, which are still great. But um, yeah, I I didn't see this one for a long time, watched it, I think actually earlier this year for the first time, and uh, I really loved it. I've been thinking about it ever since um, I watched it. Um, it's definitely, you know again, a type of movie that I really like where it's a coming of age movie, but it's about people in their 20s um, who can't really escape college, which like I said, um, I can definitely relate to.
0: So I'm conflicted because I enjoy this movie a lot. So you, so of Noah bombback the only movie that I I don't like, Francis Ha or White Noise. Those are my two yeah. that I don't like mm-hmm. from him. I like everything else. So maybe Francis Ha was the outlier and I didn't go in with the right mindset on it. I think yeah. I was already going to hate it and maybe go check that You're out again. you definitely good. <laughs> and maybe I might enjoy it. I don't know. But like White Noise I, I can
2: totally understand. I can totally see That's that the like thing. That's the outlier. thing. Yeah.
0: White Noise makes sense because it's off it's it's way different than most of his yeah. other films. This one I loved the dialogue. I liked I didn't like all the characters, but I liked being around the characters and hearing them have the conversations with each other. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. I kind of related to like the around the same town like uh, around college. So it was it's an interesting development. I just, maybe, maybe Francis is in the rewatch at this point. Like, I don't know, because of Married Short Grin the Whale, While You Were Young, Kicking and Screaming, with Story. I like all of those yeah. to an up to Great so, movie. Give it a shot. It's on the rewatch list at this point. So, uh, and maybe I'll delete the two-star rating I gave it last time, so that doesn't have to live on the internet anymore. Um Everybody else in kicking and screaming. Zach, I heard, you don't like this movie, so you wanna go last or first. Yeah, we really mean
1: it's got just exchanged lists, so we didn't <laughs> have to be That's collusion, that's all fine. The time. Collusion. it was definitely collusion. Um yeah, I adore kicking and screaming. I relate to it so heavily, I had a real hard time getting over college and those last friendships. And what was I gonna do with my life that I connected those kind of movies um very easily? Um, especially the like I, and the best thing about Noah Bombek um, is, is his consistent battle with the idea of intellectualism and kind of phony intellectualism in a, in a lot of ways. That is, this It's people really trying to act that way, um, but not necessarily able to fully sell it. Um, it, it. It comes off as a way to hide some of their insecurities. Um, you guys act like you don't like these people. And to me, I was like, this is like my dream friend group. It
3: is.
2: It is really funny the scene with Parker Posey where she's like, "Oh, you and your your trivia games or whatever that you're always playing," and I'm like, "Okay, okay, it's, I get it, I get it. It's me."
1: <laughs> a lot of great performers that you know they get that. Chris I just had, had a yeah. killer early '90s and then like faded. And um, I love him. Great so much, Elliot right. Gold moment also. Yeah. Muted. Muted. I thought he was He's just mumbling.
3: Jacob. <laughs> uh, never seen this. Noah Bomback is one of those filmmakers that I have really never even begun with, to be honest. And with Barbie coming out, I mean, no better time than to get started than that. And I know it's a co between him and Greta Gerwig, but at the same time, he yeah. is involved. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: Again, he was also involved that?
3: in Madagascar
1: three, so if you watch that, wait, really?
3: Yeah, he, he was. It. Yes,
1: he wrote Whoa.
0: that movie. I read that movie sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Some say <laughs> it's the best Madagascar. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I'll never. Jacob, know. what is your three?
3: So for my number three, going into the year 1999, and like Scott said, it was a very loaded year. Uh, my my pick from 99. Might be a little unexpected, but it's the Iron Giant. With the exception of Tomorrowland, I don't think Brad Bird has made a bad film. Tomorrowland is eh, is kind of there. It's a good idea, but it's executed poorly. However, the rest of Brad Bird's films, nothing but hits. And honestly, my favorite one of his, Incredibles included, is the Iron Giant. I watch this movie at least once or twice a year. And I just fall in love with it over and over again. The animation is beautiful. I love the voice cast. Basically, this movie cast Vin Diesel in a voice acting role like years before he would be Groot in the MCU. So they were way ahead of its time there. It's just a, it's such a beautiful story. It's got a great villain in Ken Mansley, played by Christopher McDonald. I love I love him as in general as an actor, but he is so much fun here. And really, it's just it gets me emotional that ending when the nuke gets launched. And should I spoil it? Or I don't know if have y'all seen it or it I, about but I don't care. Yeah. Oh. all right. <laughs> okay. Oh, fair enough. So the nuke gets launched, the Iron Giant sees it and he sacrifices himself. He goes, Superman, and he runs into it and saves saves the planet. And it's it's a beautiful moment. So, Iron Giant is—it's phenomenal. As we
1: wait, I haven't seen it it since I was a little kid. Um, And I really wanted to take my son to it last summer at like the summer things, but it was bad timing. But I hope to see it soon. Scott, what's your thoughts on Iron Giant? I wish I could
2: filibuster, but unfortunately. I've never
0: seen. This. <laughs> He's uh, he said I'm gonna spoil it. And it was about a three-second spoiler, so uh,
2: that's mm-hmm. fair. Um, I'm not a big Iron
0: thing It's uh, it's loved by a lot of people. I don't like it, probably because it ties into Superman at some point, and Superman's a stupid hero. But that's neither here nor there. I hate Superman. Superman's up. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't known my rant on that, I've ranted to Cullo Cullo enough about Superman. I just can't stand the man. Um, but. We're going to go to Zach for your three.
1: My number three is a guy named Eddie Scissors. Um, Eddie Scissors, um, oh. another piece of just like pure winter childhood magic. Uh, you know, Johnny Depp, uh, he took this kind of thing way too far and kind of put it into his real life as well, being this kind of, you know, sad outcast. cast. Uh, but the, this was the prime of it, um, I think, done best. Uh, because also he still has that kind of youthful Beauty to him that makes the weirdness of Eddie Scissors um, so much more impactful in a way. That um, that childhood innocence that really comes out um, through all the leather and the scissors, sharp scissors coming out. And I'm also scared to death of sharp objects. I'm very into scissor safety. Um, so this movie maybe hits me on a kinesthetic level um, because of that. Uh, but one of those like moments that just has like sunk into my brain that i think of often is just like the snow falling over right now writer from from the things and that's just like the pure beauty that can come from these kind of whimsical um childhood movies that i love um and the, uh tim burton is a great director of suburban <laughs> life um the, the matching of the house and the, the bright colors and, and that um Matching those to the darkness that Tim Burton loves, you know, he was the outsider, the gothy outsider in the suburban household in that breeze in every movie that he makes, um, and that also turns into like delightful parody of suburban parent performances by um, Diane Reiston, and Alan Alda. Um, no, Alan Alda, sorry, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin, um, underrated, extremely funny throughout this whole movie. Just it's like dead with like a few shits to care about what's happening. <laughs> um,
0: uh, Scott's team couldn't hold the hold the lead. Uh, Freaking so Willie
1: Calhoun. This is the one time year y'all act like you care about hockey. Come on, this isn't hockey.
2: This I
0: is thought baseball. You were watching hockey.
1: It's baseball. I thought you were
0: talking um, about the Hurricanes earlier. How's the Cavaliers doing right now? Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um. Uh, bad, <laughs> non-existent. Um, am I going to say anything interesting about Tim Burton's films? No, I am not. I think this movie is meh at best. Um, cool, like, visually, I guess, but overall, I don't love the story and I have not went back to it for a very long time. Everybody else on Edward, well, how would you How would you like me to refer to him? Edward White? Eddie Scissors. Eddie Scissors.
2: Anybody, Anybody want to talk about
3: Eddie Scissors? Go ahead, Jacob. Um, I I haven't seen this one. I've seen clips, so I know what it's about. But uh, I believe Zach, what you were talking about, like this style kind of bleeding over into into other things. I feel like that could be applied to Tim Burton. I feel like Tim Burton found a style, and he just pretty much stuck to it, and and he is very talented in certain areas. However, I feel like Tim Burton very much is style over substance. Like, you look up and oh down. Oh, my. His, Jacob, so have awesome. you ever this doesn't this count? Show this before? Count
0: towards the before? Oh, my God. What a brilliant man. He speaks. Oh, you're so. You're, you're now, well
3: again, I, I do not hate him as a director. I think that he's had some good movies. But, again, it feels like, especially in like the 2010s, if you've seen one, you've seen them all.
0: Let's just pump the brakes. You're doing good. We don't need to heat bad. Okay, let's move on. To Scott, you got anything?
2: Um, I You're hitting some big blind spots. Actually, I actually haven't seen it either. Um, I, I I wouldn't go as far as y'all have with respect to Burton. I do like some of his movies. He's not generally my thing, but you know he's got some good ones in there. Maybe I'll like it. I'm sure I'll see it at some point.
0: Okay, um, you're number two.
2: All right, so like I said, my top two are movies that I have talked a lot about before, but um, did not feel like I could make these this list without mentioning them uh, because they're two of my all-time favorites. Number two, 1997,
1: Titanic. Yeah, baby, that big boat.
2: Um, so, I again, I've always loved this movie. It was in my top 100 when I did it a couple of years ago now. Um, but then I got to see this movie on the big screen for the first time this year on Valentine's Day when they did the 25, 25th um, anniversary re-release. And it was like seeing the movie again for the first time. Um there has never been a more immersive film than that. I think that's like my main takeaway, not just because I was watching it in 3d and it was the first 3d movie I've seen since Spy Kids, um, Spy Kids (laughs) three. Um, it, it really just is like the, the world that James Cameron creates aboard the ship is intoxicating. Like you just get so lost in this movie. I've never been so lost in the movie. Um, and you know it's an experience again the theatrical experience was amazing because i watched it with like a full theater and surely a lot of these people have seen the movie before but it was like silent during the whole movie and then like the second the closing credits hit you know again you hit uh, my heart will go on hits again go right into the closing credits and just like there was just the sound in the theater of everyone just like Oh, just like this collective emotional exhale. And I was like, if a movie can still do that to people after 25 years, like it's obviously doing something right. Like it because it is so immersive. Right. You get so lost in the world of this movie. You don't even like totally reckon with what you are feeling. And then all of a sudden when the movie ends and you're finally ripped out of that world, it's like it all like hits you you know, like an iceberg um, at the same time. And that was the sound that all those people were making. I just think it's a stunning film. Um, great performances. Um, My Heart Will Go On is not a, too cheesy. That moment just is hits every time. It's a goosebump-inducing moment. And I love the frame narrative, too, with, with, uh, with Gloria Stewart. Like, that was the other thing that resonated with me more than ever before was everything going on there, some of her lines that she has contextualizing the story. And then um, actually I think maybe like the most emotional moment for me is when she goes to the edge of the ship, you know, the uh, older um, version of Rose at the end, at the very end of the movie and stands there on the railing. Like after all you've been through with them, that just, again, it it really gets to you. Um, Anyone who doesn't like this movie you're a loser. <laughs> it's so good.
0: <laughs> it's it's a movie that I don't feel like the time at all. And I know that's all but I am so in it. If this movie was five, six hours I don't I th- think I would just enjoy it just as much. I am like fully in case in this movie. Go ahead.
2: It's interesting you say that because I actually wouldn't necessarily agree. Like, I that's a saying that people say about a lot of long movies that they enjoy is like, yeah. oh, the running time go, goes by. And I do feel that about some movies. But this is a movie where it's like, it feels like three and a half hours, but I don't care because okay. it needs to. And like, uh, you know, the the length is strength to me in this movie. Like,
0: uh, yeah, I, I think I think the like, length, but I don't like. I don't feel like I. I'm, I guess I'm more like. I'm excited to be with the group and like stay in that, like stay in this thing. I still think it's like arguably like one of the, like I couldn't imagine what those people went through that night. Like it is like, I think it's one of the like a great romantic stories, but also like horror movie at the same time of like when it switches and like the thoughts of like what you're going to do. Um I I love I I it still breaks my heart like when the old people are like in bed together and the moms like tucking in their kids and like they have no other option like this is it it's just so so powerful I I again I love the movie I this is my biggest regret not being on my top 100 cuz it not only is on my top 100 but it's very high Top 100. I think it's honestly a movie that gets hate. That I just have, this is one that I don't understand. I just don't get it. If you hate Cameron, hate Cameron. But this movie's great. Um, Kirk, I'm call, I'm talking to you. Um, uh, everybody else on Titanic.
3: I mean, yeah, I don't think I could add anything because it's highest-grossing movie of all time for a time. It was um, it, like it received all the accolades. I, I'm I'm so impressed with this movie and just how much of it is practical. Like Cameron built like an actual model of the ship and actually sank it. Like that's just mind-boggling to think about that he did that, but he did. And I think the moment that really gets to me is at the end when Rose and when Rose calls herself Rose Dawson as like in memory to Jack, that moment just Right here. It's right there. And, and yeah, I, I I think Cameron, I think with people who are like, oh, Cameron's overrated. I feel like they just don't understand. I feel like because they're so profitable and, and he makes so much money off of those movies, that people tend to forget that there's a lot of quality that goes into them. He made the first two Terminator movies and really the only Terminator movies that count, if you really think about it. And he made Titanic. He made both Avatar movies. And debate Avatar all you want. But there's a lot of quality across the board. So nothing but respect.
2: There's so much care that goes into his movies. And that's just something that you can't take for granted, especially nowadays. Sorry, go ahead, Zach.
3: Yes, without a doubt.
1: Zach? Um, Peak cinema. Cinema's finest. Nothing has ever been better. Should have been Science Town number one. Um, If I ever do a uh, 2000s Best Scenes, my favorite scene of the 2000s is I'm in Love Actually where they just show a clip of Titanic. It's the only good (laughs) part of that movie. Um, It's perfect.
2: That's like Michael saying one of his favorite scenes is in singles when Alice in Chains just plays for like 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
0: Jacob, what is your two?
3: All right. So for my number two, so for my number two, I'm going to the year 1998. And this is the Coen Brothers movie I was talking about earlier. It's The Big Lebowski. And this is one of those movies that, again, it's one of those that I watch once a year. Or once or twice a year. It is one of those movies that I just love to death. It's endlessly quotable, endlessly rewatchable. Stacked cast. Incredible dialogue. like Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, uh, Julianne Moore. I could go on. It's just one of those movies that it's like, in terms of its quality, is like the sun, the moon, the planets, and all the stars coming together into perfect alignment to create this that they could never replicate or at least never try to again.
0: Um, hard disagree. Um, I don't understand the love for this movie. I don't find it funny. I've never enjoyed like this overall movie um i mean jeff bridges kind of has to thank this role because every movie after he's just the dude in just a different version of the dude like he's an either old dude or a country singer dude or just you know the the dude that's dad he just the dude Uh, Um he's carried he's carried it for a while because of that um i yeah i just i've been on record i don't i don't love it i don't love it um Everybody else in the Big Alaska.
2: I do love it. Uh, it is in my top 100. I've said it's one of the five funniest movies ever to me. One of the five movies that makes me laugh the hardest. Um, the the Larry scene where they're at the kid's house is just every single time. So, so funny. Um, yeah, great characters. Just like a, a weirdness about it that it's just the right amount. Like it doesn't distance me from it at all it's like it's the perfect amount of weirdness for me and absurdity and um yeah i absolutely love it great pick
1: i uh, need to watch we watch it to say anything i watch it like a hotel room um on a computer i'm sure and it's kind of something too absurd and weird to fully get the first time let alone the first time that you're like watching it in a corner with your family around you Okay. Your second, Zach. My number two. Um a, a recent first time watch for me and I got the torture Cody with it on the first time watch um, list recently. Um and that is what happened was dot dot dot. There is dots, right? I, there
2: it, is. He just thinks so, yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
1: I'm okay. Um this movie uh completely melted my soul. Um I I had a pretty now is not the right word, but an intense day, hey, a lot of dots um, pretty intense emotional response to the ideas of loneliness and difficult to connect with someone and, and wanting so badly to um, and then put this guilt that you don't truly really connect until every darkest vulnerability starts to come out by the end um. In a way, this is, you know, Tom Noonan directed this. I, I said this before. It's very proto Charlie Kaufman in a lot of ways, um, that kind of idea. Of, it's, Charlie Kaufman's really into, like, male loneliness. This goes on, on both sides of the gender. Um, in that, like, can an existential dread part of, of eternal loneliness um, is a big part of it. And Tom Noonan handles that, I think, in the more well-rounded manner. Um and it's something that you just seem so grounded to start, and it goes into such surreal, dark places and moments, but never loses its grounding of um, the relationship at hand. Um, and um, Amy Mann's band, I'm blanking on the name, um, her band from the 80s. It plays. I swear they play the song for like ten minutes straight at the beginning, it goes forever, and it voices carry as the song and it rules. Um, and I could just watch that first ten minutes of her preparing for this date while listening to Bobby Voices Carry. Um, for I could have done that for two hours. Um, it was a great time. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I these top two movies are really just movies I'm really trying to cheerlead and to promote. Um, if you like. Andy Kauf or Charlie Kaufman movies. Not Andy Kaufman, sorry, Charlie <laughs> Kaufman movies. Um, definitely give this one a watch.
0: Um I've said my thoughts on this movie. I've already done this. anybody else seen this movie?
3: I have. Not. I have. Alright.
2: Uh, I enjoy it. Um I don't think I quite it quite hit me emotionally the same way that it hit uh like Zach and Paul, but I, maybe I just didn't quite connect to the experience as directly, but I think it's really good. I like like the talky, like single location type stuff. I think it's very sincere and honest emotionally. Um, I think it, the characters go in some surprising directions. It's a really interesting movie that people should should definitely see um, if you're into you know these sorts of again talky single location two characters types of things.
0: Okay. All right, Scott, what's your one?
2: All right, no suspense here. It's my favorite movie of all time, 1992, A Few Good Men. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, what else can I say? It's my favorite movie. It has been for, you know, 10 odd years. I am a lawyer. <laughs> I became a lawyer, not only because of this movie, but uh, it certainly helped. Um, I think it is the most entertaining film I've ever seen. Tom Cruise at the absolute peak of his movie star powers, him going at it with Jack Nicholson, never, you know, chewing the scenery better. But I love all the supporting characters in this movie. Um, I love Aaron Sorkin's dialogue is absolutely perfect. I could quote every single line in this movie. Um, And I love how much it believes in, the legal system and in lawyers and in the law to, you know, ultimately reach the right outcome. Right. Because at ultimately at the end of the day, you know, it's not necessarily the perfect outcome for these defendants. Right. You know, they get d- dishonorably discharged from the Marines. Um, but um, it is, it is, it is the right outcome because just like, uh, you know, Dawson says at the end of the movie, um, you know, we were supposed to stand up for, for people like Willie, we were supposed to stand up for him. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, maybe some of the commentary in the movie hasn't like aged 100% perfectly or anything, but I do think, I appreciate in the end that they're willing to to call a spade and a spade and say, Hey, look, the, the military system in which these people were, Imprisoned, basically. There, there comes a point where you still have to stand up and say no, and you have to stand up for what is right. Um, and yeah, it's again, it's just an electric movie, beginning to end. Everything. Yes, of course, that last scene with Nicholson is unbelievable, but everything leading up to it is what makes that scene so unbelievable because it's it's all the context um, and knowing what is at stake in that scene for everyone involved. Um, Favorite movie of all time will be for a long time. Probably will never change. I love it. Watch it
0: with Scott on call. It's a great time. Great time. Um, again, I can't hear Nicholson start that speech without trying to. Like, I will never do oh, it yeah. in front of people because I do not have the, the ability or the talent. But I can. I know that quote, left, right, and center. It's literally you one want of my me favorite on speeches. You need. Great, great choice. Great choice. Knew it was gonna be there. You stuck to your guns. Good, uh, Zach. You said this is boring. Pick. Yeah, so, uh, sticking to your
1: guns is boring. Try new things. Be Yeah, I.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear your one.
1: Like I've never heard of this before. Go ahead. If you haven't watched it, correct. That's <laughs> why. That's why I picked the fucking movie. <laughs>
0: you told me. You actually told me on the show not to watch it. No, that's everybody. It. This you like this. Hold on. Uh, no, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it when you give it okay. up. Anything on a Few Good Men?
1: Oh, I, I think I know why. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I watched A Few Good Men for the first time last year, and it's undeniable and it's engagement. And um, fun's not really, I mean, it's a fun movie. Um, yeah. But just the watchability of it. Um, once again, just like classic 90s Hollywood in its purest form of just like movie stars speechifying um and drama trusting itself to be enough to sell an audience um and, and it is um and as scott was inspired to become a lawyer from this movie i was inspired to live a nice long fruitful life of military crimes <laughs> like it yeah. jacob um
3: uh, haven't seen this in a really long time and i do need to rewatch it i that monologue is iconic and it's just really shows a like perfect balance of past with Nicholson and future with Tom Cruise, because he was really just getting started as we would later find out.
0: Hacks. All right. Uh, Jacob, what is your final movie of the night?
3: So for my number one, go into the year 1997, Goodwill Hunting. And this is another one that I feel like gets talked about quite a bit. <laughs> Feel like that's the trend of my list but uh but it, it's it's a movie that again is in my all-time favorites i watch it at least once or twice a year i can pretty much recite it from memory if you all ask me to uh matt damon and ben affleck won the oscar for best original screenplay for this and it's well deserved mm-hmm. screenplay is outstanding another iconic robin williams performance completely different from the genie in aladdin this movie just breaks your heart resets it breaks it again and then resets it i think that's the best way i can describe it and i think what i love the most is that it doesn't give the stereotypical happy ending there's a point where something bad happens you're like no i want you to i want it to be made right and it kind of doesn't and i kind of like the realism of it i don't know how warm that take is going to be, but I like the realism that this movie kind of presents from it. If that makes any sense at all. It's one of those movies that I could just, I could just watch any day of the week and just not get bored.
0: I mean, I, again, this was in my 40 fifties when I did my top 100, it'd probably be in my top 20. Now I love this movie. Um, I brought it up on, uh, Oh, movies are my life. For Bowman show, I talked about it on there. Um, I think it was the movie that uh, I don't. Know, I don't know which. I don't know how the show works anymore. I don't remember why I bought up for. But it was on the show. I love this movie. I also love when Matt Damon uh, just released him and Ben Affleck are like on a show or a podcast so they're talking in an interview and they're talking about the last line in the film where he's like, you know, some bitch stole my line. And he said, like Robin does, we did 70 takes or whatever, and he said something different every time. And then we sat him and Gus fans in, grabbed each other, and went, Holy shit, like, that's it, let's put it in the movie. And that's how we'll find the final line got put in there. I just love it because, like, Williams is giving such a. And me, we talked about this on the upcoming episode of The Roundtable, is just how dramatic, like, he has so many, like, good dramatic, like, roles in there, but he gets. He gets in people's brain as the slapstick comedy guy because of his comedy stands out so much. But this movie is absolutely iconic. That baseball scene, I love when he Matt Damon basically undresses that guy sitting there at the bar, makes him look completely stupid. It's it's just it's brilliant. So great choice, one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's brilliantly written. I think it's a I think it's oh I think it's a perfect movie. Um, Zach. And Scott, anything, Paul? Okay. Um,
1: come on. Robin Williams, for being a very famously hairy man. Like, oh, never does a beard, Top tier beard, great beard. You should have had it. And Mrs. Doubtfire dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, was <laughs> yeah. it would have worked. That's my take. <laughs> the movie.
2: It's a great movie, it's awesome. Like, who doesn't like this movie, honestly? Uh, yeah, the Carlton Fisk scene I always love, um, as a baseball person, but. Yeah, you probably just won with this pick, if we're being real.
0: <laughs> Possibly. Um, okay. And I He brings us on the show a lot. I honor it because he's told me not
1: to because he wants to hold it true to himself. Um, but go ahead. I'm trying to become a better person and, and share. I almost picked this roundtable. It was my backup pick for round roundtable last time.
0: What did you, pick, what'd you pick this week? Moscow. Suite?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I really I think, wish you would have picked it up. I, I think it is such an accessible, lovable movie that like no one has seen, and it's um, the Commitments, um, being from a pretty notable, important director, Alan Parker. Um, it's weird that this movie has gotten buried, um, is because it's just you know a hundred minutes of pure joy and pleasure. It's about a um, I, I mean, I talked a lot about how I love poor British and Irish cinema. That's my favorite subgenre. Um, and he's got a guy just trying to hustle it out in the Irish streets. And he um, is not a wannabe musician. He just, like, forms a band that he's not in. He's just, like, a be band promoter and band manager and, and gets a bunch of musicians around um, through, like, a great audition um, sequence and um, forms an Irish soul band to bring soul to Dublin. Um and it's filled with a lot of the great soul covers throughout. Um the the lead who I'm gonna blink at his name has such a great like weird Joe Cocker persona to him that it, it is pretty perfect. Um a lot of great dynamic personalities through all the members of the band. Um it's my favorite making a band movie easily. Um and, I mean Ireland has produced a lot of those, um and it's also with Glenn Hansard has been in a lot of those, and Glenn Hansard is in this 15 years, 16 years before once, um, or 14 years before once. Um, he just appears as, like, the guitarist in this and has some really funky 90s hair in this, and he's one of my favorites just a wild time, and I love seeing him um, out there. Um, it, but, yeah, it's just pure joy. If you like Sing Street in any kind of those um, making-a-band movies, this is, is dynamite. I
0: haven't seen it. Uh, everybody else on this movie.
1: You're allowed to see it now. I'm giving you permission. Okay. I, okay. Yeah, I always the, – the pretentious asshole I am, I just, like, don't want people well, to yeah, it. Yeah, why do you not
2: think that Cody would like
1: Because the Kingsmen it? are going to like it and they're going to fucking take it. No, no, British no. British it's, not, yeah,
0: it's not. Yeah, it's not what it – it's basically – I don't know who suggested it at first, but, like, what if uh, was somebody's, like, movie that they'd recommend for yeah, people it, and then people started thanking other people for it. So, like, if I watched this movie and say, hey – you know what you'd really like? This movie. <laughs> Zach doesn't get the credit. I get the credit for showing somebody this movie. So. Uh, that's why. But I will watch it and uh, credit you and say only. Oh I God, may
1: I may bring it to a future roundtable if you want to save it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: I honestly don't know why I haven't seen it because there's no way I don't enjoy it. Like, again, this is this movie seems absolutely in my wheelhouse and I really do love all other making a band movies and Sing Street and um you know, all that sort of thing. so um, I'll watch it soon.
1: I think it's on Hoopla. It used to be. Don't have Hoopla. Get a library card, you fucking
3: nerd. I'm a librarian. I'll set you up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> there
0: we go! Um, okay, anybody else see this movie? I have not. What and, were Jeremy's
2: okay. top
3: three?
0: Yeah, I can do that. I'm trying to find... Movie melee problem. Um, Jeremy's top three was Shunless List. Okay, Unforgiven.
3: Okay, nice choice. <laughs>
0: oh, there's where he lost. lost. That's where he would have lost. Can't I
2: mean, that. Yeah. Amazing, cho- amazing choice, but yeah. no, he doesn't agree.
0: Um, uh, that's why he, would he was. This mine because it was in my top 100. <laughs> Good thing he didn't show. Uh, so first place, um, Tough. I'm actually going to give it to Scott. Wow, I didn't for the win. That. I haven't seen some, but The Rock on there. Oh, um, I have your banners. Hold on, I'm terrible. This is I don't run this part of well. go, Scott, um, I would go. Uh, I didn't like Rushmore, obviously, but Carlito's Way, Kicking and Screaming, I enjoyed Titanic. You good Top four, really solid. Second place is Jacob. Big Lebowski at three and Iron Giant is the one that hurts you. Um, and similar, so it's not that very watchable, but a great movie. I can't argue with that one. Uh, Zach Ford at the third. Edward says I what happened, was. and, and number one, but arguably. And then anybody that puts uh, this movie at one, you're guaranteed to probably lose. Uh, I didn't do a combined list because I was busy today and getting a chance to. Uh, I was going to pick per year, but is what it is at this point. Um, I appreciate you three for being on. Jacob, you were a great first-time panelist. What were we going to say? You got someone to say that?
3: Uh, I had a great time. I hope I'm back on soon. I I'd love to be back on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're doing a cri- uh, Criterion draft next week. Uh, the next week, the seventeenth, we're doing build a movie uh, genre, director, actor, actress, and a wild card. I need people for that. Um, Soda Draft, Sub-T, Brooklyn, Boatman, talk about like the most unwatchable group ever, but it's going to be a blast, (laughs) we're all going to have fun. Um, uh, I can't wait for Boatman to yell at Sub-T and Sub-T to yell at Boatman and one of them cry, I don't know which one. Maybe we
1: have 13-year-olds on the show.
2: I, gotta,
0: no, I, just want, I, I just want to see... Parent Scar- permission, permission form
2: got signed. I want to see Sub-T pull Brooklyn into a Star Wars discussion. Is, is Sub-T <laughs> I mean t name? I'm <laughs> going to take that with Kirk. <laughs> and um, the final week,
0: we're starting at 8.30 EST. Kirk, Michael, Jake, and Zach. Needle drops. I believe. So... Yeah, we're starting late because um, Me. Uh, Zach can't start. start. Probably has better internet this time, but thank you all for being on. Uh, go watch some movies, you know? I don't know where this outro is. Even. I don't do this. Job. I know it was you,
1: Fredo. You broke my heart. Your guilt has been determined. This is merely a sentence in Now what will it be?
3: Death? Or... Exile! You better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. So,
1: normally, I would say Auf Wiedersehen, but since what Auf Wiedersehen actually means is till I see you again, and since I never wish to see you again, to you, sir, I say goodbye. This is my own doing
0: for the for not putting top 100.